Should you quit your job and become a solopreneur? That is what we're going to answer for you today, plus some practical steps to get started. Today's guest is Hannah McCormick. She is a marketing coach for solopreneurs and the host of the Showing Up Solo podcast. We talk about personal branding, overcoming the fear of putting out content, and how dyslexia can be a superpower. I'm Anthony Franzis. This is the Successful Working Parents podcast, where we learn how busy working parents are still able to thrive. Thanks for listening. Anyway, on to the show. Welcome back to the Successful Working Parents podcast, the podcast where we talk to successful working parents. My guest today, she is the founder of HM Virtual Assistance. She's the host of the Showing Up Solo podcast, mother of two, ladies and gentlemen, Hannah McCormick. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I appreciate it. We're happy to have you. So usually we just start off with a quick background on your career. So if you could just share that with us, please. Absolutely. It's a bit of a, um, a mosaic of experience. I originally trained to be a teacher teaching product design in the UK. And then I moved to Canada and found myself in retail. I was um, top salesperson for one of the companies at one of the retail stores I worked for, for um, a long time. And then I moved, then I decided I wanted to have kids. So I thought I'd get a non-retail job uh, where I could actually have a regular working hours, went to work in a reception and went from being, uh, went to work in a law firm, sorry, and went from being a receptionist to like heading up a lot of office services and accounting roles. Um, but then by my second maternity leave, uh, I decided it was time for a bit of a shift. Um, I needed to earn a little bit more. So I, I found a new role as an executive assistant for actually the CEO of a group of cranberry farms. It sounds, you know, think okay. farmer. Why do they need an EA? But actually he he was a very busy guy. He um, I would be uh, managing very complicated travel itineraries. We're talking multiple countries, multiple stops, multiple, like some private jets, some commercial hotel stays, all this all in one week, like nearly every week traveling. So it was a lot of work. But as you can imagine, come 2020, a lot of that travel work fizzled out. And oh, yeah. I found myself um, being laid off in uh, June 2020. And at that point, uh, my husband was just about to go to school and change careers. And I have two kids he wouldn't be earning an income and I needed to be the breadwinner for our family of four. And I didn't want to go to like new offices and expose everyone to COVID and all that. And someone told me about becoming a virtual assistant. So I thought, sure, I can do that. I'll give it a go. I gave myself until my severance pay ran out to make a go of it. And I did it. I got like my first client within two weeks. Um, I kept a roof over our heads and food in our bellies and then my business evolved from being a virtual assistant into being a social media manager, into copywriting. And now what I specialize is really helping other people who are just like me figure out the ins and outs of marketing so that they can do what I did and just grow a sustainable business for themselves as a parent. Awesome. So when we talk about marketing, are you are you talking about actually like the marketing of yourself as a personal brand or is it marketing for a business or could it be either? So... What I specialize in is organic marketing for solo business owners. So when you're a solo business owner, you personal branding and your business brand are pretty much intertwined, especially um, I work with a lot of service providers like coaches and therapists. So you very much are both your, pro your, your product and your brand as well as 
business. So a lot of what I do is centered around that kind of organic, personal marketing focus, a lot of social media, email marketing, and also just like getting your website, your online presence uh, fully established and figuring out how to communicate and sell yourself. Because a lot of people who start these businesses have never had to do this before, never had to do this before. They have to learn it from scratch. They don't usually have the resources to hire a big agency to come in and do it. And so that's why I want to impart the knowledge because it is very doable if you know how. What are like three quick, easy tips that you share with, with people for that are getting started with marketing themselves? Well, in terms of time, when you're starting your business, don't wait till you have clients to start marketing. Like just, I, I saw my business as a full-time job when I started. So I was working 40 hours a week. And if that wasn't on client work, that was on getting myself out there, showing up to virtual networking events, posting to social media, creating content, looking for opportunities to be guests, to like write guest blog posts. So if you're not working on client work, you should be promoting yourself. That's tip number one. Uh, tip number two is uh, you need to show up for your business. You need to, especially when you're a service provider, people need to see your face. They need to know who you are as a person because that's who they're going to connect with. We buy from people. We don't buy from brands. That's why businesses like A&W and, and Canadian Tire have a person who is their like token person um, to represent the brand because we connect better with one individual person than we do with a big corporate entity. Um, and thirdly is just give it a go. Like, don't be afraid. You're not going to get it right the first time. And that is okay. Just get out there, get promoting yourself. It's never too early to start. Even if you're still on the fence about whether to start a business or not, start building an online process, pro <clears throat> an online presence as quickly as possible. You can always pivot later. I've pivoted four times since I started my business and it's not hurt me. So that's one thing that I wanted to talk to you more about. And I think that's something that is on a lot of people's minds. They have a job, they're in the corporate world, and they want to start doing something on their own. Just the mindset, before we get into the practical steps, just the mindset piece of it. Like, how do you build up the courage to do that? How do you find the, the ability to, you know, put yourself out there in that way or, or make the jump? Like, can you talk to a little bit more of just the mental side of doing that? Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I had thought about being employed for myself for years, like probably over a decade. And I would not have made the leap if I hadn't have lost my job and absolutely needed to. I needed to just be in that set situation where I had no choice. So I don't expect people to make that leap as easily as I did, because I know it's hard, especially when you have a predictable income, because starting a business of your own, it's not a predictable income right away. There's a lot of investing up front. There's a lot of um, time and, and mistakes and errors that go into it. If you are in a corporate job and you're considering it, my best advice is to just start building an online presence so you can validate that you have a good idea, that there's your services in demand, and try to attract those first few clients before you've even officially launched your business. Like Just try to find the first few people so you can validate it for your own self-confidence more than anything else and try to, yeah, give it a, a test drive if that's what you need for the confidence. Um, otherwise, get laid off and you <laughs> just go for it. <laughs> Ask your boss to lay you off, and then you could just do it that way. Exactly. <laughs> and so you you had two kids at the time, right? So what was it like? I mean, it's hard to be a working parent with a steady job, right? So what was it like being a mother of two kids and trying to get this business off the ground? Well, oh, 
Well, it was it was interesting because um, when I was laid off, my husband was just about to go start going to school full time, and we hadn't had any childcare for like he'd been doing full time childcare up until then. Um, it got delayed because he because of COVID, so he didn't end up starting school until um, six months later. So that for those first six months, I had him there full time, so I could I was working sixty hours a week. I would just like log into my computer as soon as I got out of bed and work until tea time. So that was a huge help having a partner there to to do all the childcare. But then when he went to school and then he started getting employed, suddenly I had to run my business and manage the childcare. And I actually, um, I this is one of the big pivots I did. I ended up having to let go quite a few of my clients. I'd built a really big business, but the 60 hours a week was not sustainable because I was realistically only getting 50. I only had 15, one five hours a week in which to work when I didn't have children at home. And as someone who's neurodivergent, it's very difficult for me to focus on my work when the kids are also wanting my attention. So I basically had to like quarter my business and find a way to still earn essentially the same amount of money, but in a quarter of the time. Um, And that's when I pivoted from doing sort of monthly services to doing package based and eventually coaching now. So speaking of neurodivergence, you were telling me before that in some ways working for yourself has been better for you because it's been able to, you work better given some of the, the challenges that you have. So can you talk more about that? Yes, of course. I mean, I think I found myself in roles that I was over skilled for, um, overqualified for, for years as an employee because I was worried about my neurodivergence. I was worried about being dyslexic. I didn't yet know I also had ADHD. That was a discovery that happened as I was digging into the mindset shifts of being an entrepreneur. And so when I became an entrepreneur, I I got this new concept this like it was almost like I hadn't realized this was an option before but like I could set my schedule I could say I only work these hours and um I could say you know like I I started to realize especially when I was doing creative work like copywriting um some days I could sit in front of the computer and I could not get up for six hours I wouldn't need to eat drink anything and I and I could just like churn out this glorious amazing copy and then other days I would be, I could stare at the screen for hours and not turn out a sentence. And a lot of that was to do with my ADHD. So I I built my business and my client expectations around giving me the space and the buffer that I could, like, I didn't have to try to force myself to be creative on demand. I could build a buffer in so that I knew that I could capture those days when I was hyper-focused is the magical space you want to get into when you have ADHD. And and I also curated clients who I like I the clients I work with, they all understand that I'm a parent. They all understand that I'm neurodivergent. They're the kind of clients where I can and I hate canceling meetings last minute. But if I did, I know not one of my clients would complain. They'd be absolutely not a problem. We totally understand. And building a place where that and some of the contractors I work with, there's always Actually, I always have this rule like no apologies needed. You know, if you have if you have a life like outside your business and it interferes, we don't we don't need apologies here. You know, it is what it like it's your life. Your work kind of needs to come second in that focus. And so I've kind of built this network of people who all think similarly in terms of supporting each other. You know, they say that people who have dyslexia can oftentimes be successful because they see the world differently and they have to 
approach problems differently. And Richard Branson, famously dyslexic. My my stepfather's actually dyslexic, and I, he's pretty successful as well. And so I'm curious, do you find that it has given you that kind of creative edge or, or differentiator in any way? Absolutely. I actually think it's one of the reasons I pivoted into coaching because a lot of my clients they all they consistently said their favorite part of working with me was getting on the calls because I had a way of explaining things or seeing things that they that they didn't. And um, that's why I realized I needed to pivot into doing more coaching because that was where I was giving the most benefit to people. And and it's true, like it's helped a lot. I have this way of seeing things and explaining things that other people don't and the the look on someone's face when you suddenly express something that they've not been able to put into words and there's something like yes like how did you get out of my brain and it's I very much credit my dyslexic way of thinking um, for that. That's great. Okay, so let's say I work a corporate job and I'm longing to start my own thing and I just don't even know where to start. I have some. Obviously, I have some things I'm interested in, but I don't even I don't even know. Okay, this is definitely what I wish I could sell or what I would go to market with. Can you help me to just get started in the first place and craft what I, how where I would begin? Absolutely. The biggest thing I find is a lot of people get stuck in what they think they should do. They're worried about. Ooh, I, I, they often lack the self confidence to go out go for what they want. So they think, well, I should do this. It's why I went for VA. I was like, I know I can do admin work. So that's why I went for being a VA versus it being what I truly wanted to do, what lit me up inside. But honestly, if you're going to work for yourself, you got to love what you're doing. You have to love it because it's going to consume your life. You need to love what you're doing. So my first piece of advice for you is if you're thinking about it, think about what you want to do and who you want to do it for. So think about the kinds of people you want to work with, not the kinds of people you think you should be working with or could be working with. Think about who you want to work with and what you want to do and make that the priority. And then if you are testing the waters to see if it's a good idea, um, there's a new platform out there called pickmybrain.world. I don't know if you've heard of it, Anthony, but it's, um, it's new. It's kind of like Airbnb, but for knowledge. <laughs> you can basically purchase, like anyone can get a profile and you can purchase time with people for any, like for any number of topics of discussion. Um, and just basically it's a knowledge sharing platform. And I would say that's a really great place. If you're trying to validate your idea, see if it's something you want to do, create a profile and offer a service on there. Um, and, and see what people think, um, see if there is an interest see if you enjoy doing it before you've fully committed. Um, Cause I know it is incredibly scary to leave a corporate job. I mean, you've got health benefits. I'm not sure what it's like in the, the U S but in Canada, you need to, like, you want those health benefits in there. Yeah. You know, you've got all those it's things. Worse here. It's about. worse here. It's definitely yeah. worse here. I think. <laughs> so, so you, I can understand holding on for dear life. It's um, I spent a long time encouraging um, my mother to, to leave her job and become a copywriter. Cause she's very talented. But she was like, "No, I need those benefits. I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in the corporate world." So, yeah, yeah. Do you ever talk to people who are like, "Yeah, I, I, I would like to do my own thing, but I don't even know. I don't even know what I like. I don't even really know what I'm passionate about or what I, who I'd want to help or what I'd want to do." What do you say yeah, to people like that? Um, most of the conversations I get are with people who have already started doing something, 
but they're in the position where they're doing what they think they should. So I do have the conversation of like, what do you want to do? And I'll often spend that first session with them literally saying, okay, but do you want to do that? Like, why do you want to do that? And like, I'll be asking like the same question and probing and probing and probing. And it won't be till like 55 minutes in that they finally admit what they actually want to do. So I always just like try to like constantly ask yourself why, like explain to a five-year-old method, you know, tell them why you do something and get the why, why, why until you have no better reason. And, and like, you can do a skills audit. You could write down, actually, that's a really great way to do it. If you're really stuck is write down a list of services. If you're say a service provider, and then you, you do an audit skills and interest. So you write down a bunch of things and like, maybe you're really interested in something, but you have no experience or maybe you're very skilled in something, but you have no interest in it. So you rank everything, you give it a score from one to five or one to 10, and then add up your scores. And whatever scores the highest, that's what you should start offering. So it might be something that came in the middle, you're moderately skilled and moderately interested, but it combined score had the highest, but that's a great way to sort of dip your toes in. And then the more you do it, the more you'll realize what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so let's say I know I know what I enjoy, I know what I'm good at, and I and I know really what I'd like ideally love to be doing. How do I start to build a personal brand? Okay, so once you know what you're doing, you really have to nail who you're doing it for and be as specific as possible. Um, the more specific you can be, the easier it will be to build a brand and a marketing. You want to be known as the go-to person for that. So um, even if you can do a lot of other things, be the go-to person for that one particular niche. I like to use the example of, um, you know, that episode of Friends where Joey has to eat a whole turkey and <laughs> I do, yeah. he steals the maternity pants. I think they were Phoebe's and she was giving them to Rachel, but he steals the maternity pants and he says, they're my turkey eating pants, right? Yeah. If I'm the person Classic making episode. those pants, yeah. If if um if I'm the person making those pants, I'm not gonna factor Joey into my marketing plan. Yeah, there are ambitious turkey eaters who may have use of these, but if I try to mar market to both Joey and Phoebe, my message is gonna get super muddled. So focus on yeah. Phoebe's. The Joey's will find you. Um, and that's the advice I always give in terms of like niching down is get nice and specific, and then um, in terms of what you put out there in the world put out like you need to give people enough to know that they want a second date. So <laughs> you put out enough information that sparks interest, gets people curious about you and gets them wanting to get on a call with you. Cause that's when you're going to find the magic's going to happen and the connection's going to work and you figure out if you're vibing. So if you're worried about like how to like being vulnerable and exposed on social media, just remember it's enough to know that you want a second date. And if you're on a first date, you're not going to want a second date with someone who talks about themselves nonstop. You're going to want someone who also asks questions about yourself. So remember to ask questions of your audience. And then when trying to find those first customers, do you recommend like a, just a social media approach? Do you recommend just like direct outreach? Like how do you, how do you recommend people start marketing and, and getting leads? Or all, all of them. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, like definitely get onto social media. The important thing to do is figure out where your audience is hanging out. So if you're targeting C-suite executives, you're probably going to be looking at LinkedIn. If you're targeting yeah. stay-at-home moms, it's probably going to be Pinterest or Instagram. So figure out where your audience is hanging out and then start growing a presence by posting content, but also seeking out your ideal client and engaging and interacting with their content. So not coming at it from a sales 
perspective, coming at it from a connection building perspective. Seek yeah. out your ideal client and start to build relationships with them that aren't all about sales. You can also start to seek out people who have a similar ideal client as you, but not the same service. So don't look at your competitors. Look at your compliments. People who, um, yeah, they they have the same target audience, but it's a different service. Like maybe um, I would collaborate with someone who gives financial advice to solopreneurs. We have the same target audience, totally different service offerings. Um, that would be a more effective relationship for me to nurture than nurturing one with a fellow marketing coach because then we're competition. And then, you know what? Direct outreach is how I got my first client. I'm not going to like I um, I had a really great VA coach at the beginning and she basically one of the homeworks was here's an email script. Send this out to three people who are your dream clients. And I did. All three responded. Um, and one of them became my first client. That's how I got my first client within two weeks. I just um, sent out this email and connected with them. And because the word you come at it, it was, the emails very much phrases like a, I'm just looking for information. I want to work with someone just like you. What kind of services are you interested in? And it's a great way to break the ice and open up the conversation. Um, actually, to plug my own stuff, but I actually have created a similar script. I have a resource called How to Get Your First Three Clients, um, which has some of my advice in there. So Okay. We'll, we'll be sure um, to link to that in the show notes. Um, so yeah, that's it. Like, Do reach out. The, the most important thing is find your ideal client and connect with them. When it comes to putting yourself out there and, and making content. I think another thing that's hard for people is just like the fear of, you know, the fear of putting yourself out there in that way of, of maybe being criticized or judged for the content that you're creating. And then also the, the harsh reality of like, nobody really looks at it for a, for a while either. All right. I wonder if you can speak to either of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I completely understand the, the vulnerability and the worry about being trolling, uh, being trolled. It was one of my biggest fears. I was really, I really avoided showing up on camera for the longest time until it was like, it was just not realistic for me to avoid it any longer. And I remember I posted a reel and I got trolled. Someone said something about me needing the gym. And, um, I, it was really funny because it, the worst had happened. And I, I suddenly thought, I don't care. i Maybe yeah. I'll see some more expletives in there, but I was just like, I really sure. don't care. And I, I think I shared their comment to um, my stories and all my followers were like, who is this account? I want to troll them back. And there was this outpouring of support. So I just kind of thought like anyone who's going to troll me is not someone I want to work with. So I really don't care who they are. And it had nothing to do with who I was as a service provider. So I, I just kind of go with this like, I don't care attitude. And it's not like it's something that comes naturally. You have to keep telling yourself to not care. But if you can get over that um, and curate again, like you, when you work for yourself, you decide who you work with. You do not need to work with people who judge you that way. You can curate a client list of people who respect and appreciate you and see you as a collaborator, as a collaborator, as an asset, not a, not just like a product or a, or an employee. Yeah. Now I, I found that to be helpful in my own journey as well. It's, it's sometimes helpful just experience the thing that you're, you're so afraid of. And then you realize it's really not, it's not that scary. Yeah. I always come back to, um, I have this, you can't really see it on the camera. I have a huge scar on my arm. I broke it trampolining when I was 18 and it's a big, massive scar. I'm super pale. And so it stands out like really vibrantly in person. 
And I was, I remember thinking to myself when I was 18, am I going to cover up my arm for the rest of my life? Am I going to like wear a long sleeve wedding dress because I'm embarrassed or am I just going to have to get over it? And, and I chose to get over it. And that's kind of my attitude is just decide to be over it. Um, yeah. Make that conscious decision to say, I don't care anymore. And, and you'll find that it starts to be true. Talk to me a little bit about time management. You're a mother of two, you run a successful business, you have a podcast. Um, how do you manage to fit all this into your day? That's a, that's a great question. Batching. <laughs> I actually have a shirt that says like, let just go batch it crazy. Cause I, it's all about batching content, especially for your marketing. So my podcast, for example, uh, I record episodes months in advance when I had a co-host, she lived in a different province to me. So we'd have to get on a plane to be in person. So we'd get together and we'd film six months worth of episodes and a whole bunch of reels and like short form content. Um, and then it's just there ready to go. So I'm always ahead of myself. Um, the other thing is I have an amazing podcast manager who I just give her the raw footage and she takes care of the rest. She keeps me coming out on time. If it was up to me, I definitely wouldn't be. Um, so, cause it's so easy to prioritize client work over your own marketing. So if you can get support in there from a virtual assistant, podcast manager, social media manager, that's a big help, but batch, try to think about What's the least amount of work I can do that's going to get me the most bang for my buck? So one of the reasons I have a video podcast is because I know I can cut those videos up into reels and TikTok and YouTube shorts. I can transcribe those videos and turn them into blog posts. I can like I, I can chop it up into so many other smaller forms of content. So I can just spend one day recording six months worth of episodes and that gives me like six months worth of content. Um, so that's least amount of time, most amount of impact, reuse, repurpose, and plan ahead. What what medium do you feel like has been the most fruitful for you as far as getting clients, if, if there has been one, whether it's blogs or, or social media or email list? Yeah. Well, email marketing is by far, I would say, the most effective. I mean, one of the advantages of email marketing is you own your list. You're not fighting an algorithm, but you have to grow the list. And to grow the list, you need to use platforms like social media. Honestly, I think LinkedIn, I love Instagram. A lot of people love Instagram. Instagram's fun, but LinkedIn has actually delivered me, I think the best results and the most clients for a number of reasons. The profiles are so set up for six. They set you up for success. There's so much real estate there. No other social media platform gives you that much real estate. You can, um, as long as you optimize it for SEO, you like, you can be found not just on LinkedIn, but through a Google search. I mean, oftentimes if I Google myself, my LinkedIn profile comes up first. Um, and then like they, there's the connections, um, reaching out to people you don't know. Um, I got one of my, um, I got two of my earliest clients through connecting with them on LinkedIn and they were like, I don't know you. And I was like, well, you should. And <laughs> that sparked a conversation <laughs> you and, you know, three years down the line, we're still working together. Um, so like you've got that advantage there now that they've brought out things like collaborative articles and newsletters as well. I mean, LinkedIn newsletters, they don't get put into like the, e they come as an email from LinkedIn. It doesn't go into your spam. It doesn't go into your promotions. So you know that that newsletter is going to reach people. It's not going to get ignored. So the deliverability is much better. So I would say if you have to start somewhere, 
um, LinkedIn is the place to start. It's a really great place to start, even if you don't even have a website yet, because there's a lot of ways to connect, capture people's information and yeah. get into those inboxes. I agree. I agree. I feel like it's probably one of the more underutilized and undersaturated platforms right now. If you knew everything that you know now, would you still have gone into solopreneurship? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, a couple times, like I have thought, oh, would it be easier to just go back to full-time employment? And every time I think about it, I think, well, no, as a parent, I need a flexible schedule. I need that flexible schedule. If my kids are sick or uh, both my kids are also neurodivergent. So we've had some issues with them being sent home from school. And if I worked in an office, I wouldn't have the option to stay home with them or to postpone client meetings so that I can focus on them. So as a parent, solopreneurship makes a lot more sense. I've had the ability to completely rewrite my schedule multiple times as like when they were in preschool to now that they're in school, you know, rearrange it based on like their changing schedules. As a neurodivergent person, um, there's something really empowering about working for yourself and setting your own rules, like your own schedule and your own timelines. Um, and also just from a confidence perspective, I, I'm no one's employee now. I, I've probably been ruined for employment, to be <laughs> honest. Um, yeah. Because everything too I late come now. To, exactly. I'm, <laughs> I'm ruined um, because I come to everything as, a, as equals with my clients. We're equals. I'm there. It's a collaborative partnership. I'm not there to tell them what to do. They're not there to tell me what to do. We're there to share our knowledge and help each other like flourish. So yeah. I, I don't think I, I regret solopreneurship at all. I think it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Being laid off Great. was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, all right. We're going to move into the final segment called Hannah's Advice Corner. So I'm going to ask you for some advice on a few topics. All right. You ready? Okay. Okay. So first question is, what advice do you have for somebody that's afraid to start uh, building that side business? do it. <laughs> I know that's not very helpful, but um, if you're really scared, um, take my advice and either build a LinkedIn profile or, a, or a, uh, pick my brain profile or something. Start to get an online presence to validate your idea, to start to show yourself that there's interest out there, that there's people who want to work for you and want to pay you for your work. Validate that idea so you have that confidence. What advice do you have for somebody that's debating whether they should be going from the corporate world into solopreneurship or not? I guess the question is like, what is motivating that change? Because going from the corporate world to the solopreneurship world, there's solopreneurship is unpredictable. Um, you're it's a, it is hard work. It's not easier. It's a lot of hard work. Um, it's a lot of investment up front, but it comes with a lot more flexibility, a lot more control, the ability to shift and pivot your business as, as much as you want. So know why you're going into it and, like, what is the core motivation? If it's just because you hate your job, maybe you just need to go get a different job. If it's because you really need a lifestyle change, because that's what going into solopreneurship is. It's a lifestyle change. And be mentally prepared that there is a lot of mind shift work to do going from employee mode to business owner mode. What's the best advice you've ever received? Um, whatever you find the easiest is what you should charge the most for. And... Because if you find something easy, it's not because you're just born with this natural gift. It's because you have done the work. You've done the 
the research and the homework and the training to get to a point where that is easy. That is the thing that you have to offer that other people don't. So if it feels easy to you, you should be charging the most money for it. If it feels hard to you, maybe you're not the right expert. So yeah, whatever you find the easiest, charge the most for. It's a good one. What advice would you give to your former self? Not to let my confidence be limited by my neurodivergence. See, not Don't see my dyslexia. Um, and I didn't know that I had ADHD at the time, but don't let that limit my decisions because um, it did limit me for a long time because what I have since realized is that is my superpower. And I, I hate using the term dyslexia as a superpower, but it, it is my secret sauce. It's what people want. Like that's why people choose to work with me. So like, own it, embrace it. It's what makes you amazing. All right. Last question. By the time this podcast comes out, my daughter will probably be almost seven months old. So what advice do you have for me as the father of a seven month old daughter? Oh, with the fun starting now, <laughs> you've got solid foods, I'm guessing, and you've got talking and walking and crawling soon. So um, this is a really great age coming into you because they start to like, it's going to be busier though. They're going to be on the go from now on. Like gone are the days where you can lie them on their back on a blanket and have a chat, Yeah, you know, yeah. they're going to be going. So be prepared for that. Um, but also this is a great time. They're not old enough to sass you back yet because, oh my gosh, I feel like my seven-year-old is already <laughs> going through puberty. Um, <laughs> they're, they're at a wonderful age and so many exciting things are going to happen. Be prepared for lots of flus and viruses and stuff. Um, you just got to get through them and um, like you will, and it, it'll feel like a disaster the first few times, but afterwards you get to the point where you just don't, it doesn't even register. Um, but yeah, just um, really enjoy this moment and warning you're coming into the, should we have another one window? Mm. <laughs> They're not a teeny tiny baby anymore. They're in this fun age right. where you're going to start being like, oh, I want another one. Um, so, so remember, remember how the first three months went. Yeah, exactly. Um, cause it's so easy to forget when they get to that really great age. Sure. Sure. I appreciate that. Well, Hannah, this has been a really great conversation. Where can people go to connect with you or learn more about you? Anything that you'd like to uh, share or promote as well? Absolutely. So, um, I mean, you can find my business HM virtual assistance at hmvirtualassistance.com. Um, but I would love for you to connect with me either through my podcast showing the showing up solo podcast, which is on Apple, Spotify, everywhere, um, or go to showingupsolo.com where you can find the courses and the resources I put together to help solopreneurs, um, learn how to market themselves. It, particularly that one resource I mentioned about how to get your first three clients. I'll make sure I give you a link for the show notes. Um, but yeah, you can find me showing up solo. That's my handle on all the socials, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, I'm on YouTube and, um, yeah, that's where we all right. I'll be sure to link to, I'll be sure to link to all that. Uh, Hannah McCormick, ladies and gentlemen, Hannah, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.